With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, what up? This is Podcast Rebellion. I am not Michael Borky. He is not here. He is busy doing some work for his real job that he gets paid for. Uh, this is Zach Berry. And joining me is none other than Gray Hardison. Gray, what up? Oh, nothing. Just trying to uh, pump water back into my body after uh, sitting through four and a half hours of uh, of just sun-soaked uh, humidity and uh, and a cl- another collapse. Yeah, um, was it fun uh, to walk? Uh, had the privilege. And uh, so I was in my living room in the central air. Uh, wasn't baking in the sun like you were, but uh, I assure you that I hated it just as much as you did in person. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true. Uh, but uh, you, I, 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 for people who weren't there, uh, you you didn't get to suffer the indignity of. Uh, so the concession stand, you know, because it was so hot, the concessions were a complete mess. It was impossible to get anything. Uh, the lines at the water fountain were actually eight to ten people deep. Uh, so I had to, I realized the only way I was going to survive, I just started going into the bathroom with my cup and filling up tap water from the bathroom faucet. And that's what I drank to survive the second half. Woo! Yeah, I did see, uh, I, I, I saw today that uh, Rebel Grove's Chase Parham spoke with our beloved uh, athletic director, Ross Bjork, and he said that they had fully prepared for this game and they stocked extra water and they still ran out because there was just so many people coming to get water and uh, to hydrate themselves in the massive uh, brand-new Moy Stadium that I guess just with all of the people there just made it a little bit hotter. Yeah, I mean, I usually when you go under this, you know, at that time when you go under into the concourse, I mean, it it can be crowded, but it's never like insane. Uh, but this time, just going under there, there were just people in there. They weren't even getting anything. They were just standing there to not be in the sun for like 20 minutes. And I think I I, I totally believe that they that, that they uh, prepared extra. It's just I don't think they fully understood uh, just how miserably hot it was going to be. I don't think anybody, I don't think really think it was, uh, it was a preventable situation. Yeah. Well, um, so uh, for those of you that um, are completely lost or, uh, you know, might've been in hibernation last week, uh, we are here to discuss Ole Miss's second 21 point lead collapse against the number one Crimson Tide, uh, Ole Miss lost 48-43 to 43, um, at home. And uh, just to clear up a little uh, housekeeping here, uh, so since Borky is not with us, we do not have the luxury of having his state-of-the-art studio. So
So I am currently driving, and Gray is coming to you live from Austin, Texas, and we're using the uh, wonders of technology via a uh, studio uh, through a website. So if you hear any background noise, that's more than likely coming from me being in a vehicle driving on the interstate. So um, with that, uh, Gray, um, we can go into what I think is the real issue here, um, but what were your initial thoughts as you left uh, Bought Hemingway on Saturday? Uh, it was – the main thing to me is, you know, you're playing a team, number one team, like the Tide. Uh, you You just – cannot 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 do dumb stuff it's going to hurt you and good night navy did we do dumb stuff that hurt I mean, that hurt us we gave up yes what gave them two well excuse, yeah no no we're going to talk speak in alabama language we gave them two defensive touchdowns a special teams touchdown yes uh and then uh on one of our defensive touchdowns uh we we get a personal foul and then kick the ball out of bounds, and then they're at midfield, and then whatever it was, three or four plays later, touchdown. And that is that that those three or four play sequence right there. That's to me that was the difference. I mean, you don't screw that up, you win the game. Yeah, um, as we learned last year, turnovers are not forced; they are given. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think that was. You know, it was uh, 24 to 3 uh, after the um, Marquise Haynes drastically cut Jalen Hurts in half, uh, dislodged the football, then John Youngblood races for a touchdown. Uh, the, you know, if we're, if we're going to talk in, in, in Alabama language, then we can just keep it. The foul on uh, watch the replay, they showed it time. Yes. You know, that's why the game took almost five hours. But um, it was an unnecessary hit, but Breland practically just gave him a shoulder bump. He didn't even knock the guy down. Um, I thought that was pretty ticky-tack. Um, and then even if you're going to throw the flag, they should have brought the football back. The, the touchdown shouldn't have counted. Oh, um, I know. And, and, and I would and say – I've heard many people – I've heard many people say – yeah, that would have that would have helped a block, and probably uh, you know they would have probably scored because at that point Alabama, um, I mean you were keeping the ball and they were a little shell shocked, and I think that they weren't stopping the tempo offense, and Jack Kelly was cooking, and it probably benefits Ole Miss if they don't have the touchdown initially and two more clocks. Yeah, I thought. I mean, because uh, you know, I in the stadium when the guy called the penalty, uh, or no, excuse me, we found out. I guess people were texting, whatever. That you know, Youngblood was still whatever ten or fifteen or sort of the end zone when when Speaks did whatever he did, and uh, and I just remember thinking, I was like, well, why in the world didn't they bring it back? And then of course, then when you know the meltdown right before halftime, I started thinking about well, that would have been real, real super if we had the ball up seventeen to three with. Well, I don't remember how much time was left. Four or five minutes, maybe, maybe less than that. And uh, with a chance to drive, and and even if we just kick a field goal, it's twenty to three, and Alabama gets the ball back right before halftime with two minutes left. And that's yeah. way better than what happened to us. 
And it was and it was eerily similar to the Florida State game where the Seminoles get a touchdown before the half, get a little bit of momentum churning, and then the rest is history in the second half, as we all know. I think that was kind of the same thing that happened with, with Alabama where they score, uh, get a little life back in the team, and, um, you know, that third quarter was abysmal. Ole Miss tries to come back, but it doesn't happen. Um, you know, yeah, I think that was kind of where it happened. And then, you know, to me, the thing that really got me was the play calling at the end of the first half that was just, in my opinion, was just unacceptable. And um, I don't know what it is with Hugh Freeze. Um, and for those of you that want to correct me and say Dan Warner is the offensive coordinator, it's very obvious when Hugh Freeze is calling the plays and when Dan Warner is calling the plays. And I think that those two possessions before the first half where they basically ran the ball three times and punted, and you punt it, you rugby punt it right at Eddie Jackson, and he catches it in the air and then runs it back. I mean, that just kills you. Yeah, and, and not only that, but on the on the, the rugby punt, so if you remember the formation, we actually had two gunners right to the left side. So the idea is rugby punt, you just kick a line drive down the left-hand side of the field. If it goes out of bounds, whatever. Uh, but your two gunners are there, and he line drives with air under it to the direct middle of the field, away from the two. And, and then, and then to me, the great uh, Ole Miss strokes of love. Uh, Carlos Davis is actually, I think it was Davis, was breaking on the guy. And Alabama is – he whiffs. Somehow he whiffs. And, uh, and then, obviously, the rest is the history after that. Yeah, and uh, obviously, don't get me wrong, uh, officials do not win or lose games. Um, but that moment when they return the punt – Four touchdown. It was a huge momentum swing, and there was a beaten block in the back right there at the point of attack, and they completely missed it. And I'm not going to say that that caused him to return the punt. Maybe he returns it anyways, but it's right there, and it was completely missed. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, but I'm like you. It, like the fact that it came to that is is just infuriating. It's absolutely infuriating, and you know, in a way, in a way I mean, obviously, it made Yeah, and uh, lost you there for a second, Gray. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think what you were going to say is what I was going to follow up with was, you know, that's that's not going to cause you to lose or, or win a game. But, um, like you mentioned, the formation was set up to kick it to the left. They don't. They kick it straight down the middle of the field. It's a line drive kick, so the, the, coverage, the coverage isn't even down there yet. Um, and then, you know, to be quite frank, Alabama's got better athletes than, than Ole Miss does. And and like you said, the rest is history. Eddie Jackson runs it back, and then we got a whole new ball game before halftime. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, that again, they, they score. I mean, you're up 24 to – I mean, it ultimately comes out you're up 24 to 3 with 
less than five minutes to go until halftime, and somehow you go into halftime. Uh, was it tied? Yeah, it was tied at halftime, wasn't it? I've, I, I rage blacked out at oh. this point, so I can't remember. <laughs> Ole Miss was up seven, so yeah, it was. Oh, we were up seven. That's right. And yeah, because I remember. Yeah. Because I remember that yeah, was so when I was furious up. about because I knew they were getting the ball back to start the first half, and I was like, well, they're just going to go down and tie it up immediately. And, yeah, the, the the chain of event led to halftime was pretty terrible. You have the scoop and score from John Youngblood, where um, I can only imagine how wild the ball was. Um, then you have the stupid penalty. Then you back them up. Then Nathan Noble kicks it out of bounds. So Alabama gets to start their drive on the 50-yard line. And three plays later, Calvin Ridley scores. And then, you know, Ole Miss pity patties around with its conservative play calling. You give the ball back to Alabama. Um, Eddie Jackson returns the punt. Then you're 24-17 going in the half. That right there is a – it might as well have been 24-17 Alabama. Because at yeah, that it, point, Mo had completely shifted to the other sideline. I, I just pulled it up. So, 2.47 to go in, until halftime. Two minutes and 47 seconds. Youngblood scores. And Alabama scores. Alabama scored in – they scored two touchdowns in the last two minutes and ten seconds of the game. Or at halftime, excuse me. Yeah. That's uh, not ideal, as they say. No, no. Um, <laughs> Usually not a great strategy. Yeah. So, um, then we get to the third quarter – uh, which has been uh, the bugaboo so far three games into the season. I think I saw the statistic. Uh, I could be off by a couple points. I think Ole Miss has been outscored 40 to uh, 40 to 7 maybe in the third quarter. Um, something, something ridiculously stupid like that. Um, basically, I don't know what. I don't know if it, if Ole Miss not making adjustments. Um, I don't know if the play calling is just still conservative because those two leads that they've blown, they've been up. Um, but, my God, it, it, it's bad. Um, we yeah, talked I, about I, it all day today. And, I mean, what do you – I know what I think Ole Miss should do, um, but what do you think is going to be what they need to do to stop this, this skid of just surrendering these, these huge – Three possession leads. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Just to confirm, uh, so I just look, I didn't look at the Whopper game, but in the third quarter against Florida State and uh, Alabama, Ole Miss has been outscored forty to three, or they have they were outscored forty to three. Uh, no, I, I mean I think to me the, the, the state game played really really well first half in terms of protecting. And Alabama, they did a pretty decent job in the first half. I mean, not wasn't super, but it was fine. And then in the third quarter of both of those games, the protection completely collapses in the third quarter, just completely collapses. And not only the protection, I mean, they already couldn't really run anyway, but that goes away too. And I think it is, it's basically at that point, uh, I mean, the only thing you can really point to is some type of halftime adjustment that they're doing, and we, for whatever reason, uh, are not responding to at all, and uh, and it's, just, it's two games against not counting the Wofford game, but but two games against real competition. 
they've looked completely lost in the third quarter, like staggeringly lost. I mean, I think I saw today that uh, – I can't remember if it concluded the possessions right before halftime or not that you were talking about where we just got conservative. It was something like during that run for Alabama, we ran 12 total plays and got 15 total yards of offense. And a lot of that has to do with breaking down an offensive line. And I don't know what the deal is, but they've they got to figure it out real fast, real fast. Yeah, um, and you, you kind of went out there for a second. And what was that stat again in those possessions? It was uh, – and I, I, like I said, I didn't know – I don't know if it included those first – those two possessions right before halftime where we just ran the ball. Uh, but it was, I think it was 12 plays for 15 total yards of offense. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know it was something really stupid. Uh, just awful. Yeah. I, I've said it before. Um, and I really do think it has an effect on the team mentally, but when you're running tempo and you're moving the ball, uh, I mean, that first half was just silly how good Ole Miss was able to move the football on an Alabama defense. I mean, this defense is is completely different from last year's, which last year's Alabama defense was absolutely insane against the run. And then they started to get uh, a little bit more athletic as the year went on. They started playing guys more like Reuben Foster, Rashawn Evans. Um, but for the most part, they were your typical Alabama defense. This year, completely different. This is more of a hybrid, uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt, but but with some Dave Womack throwing there because they've got some athletic dudes at the second level. Um, but it, it didn't matter. Ole Miss was moving the football at will, and I think that it mentally messes with, one, it messes with Chad Kelly's rhythm, and then I just think it just messes up everyone else when you just all of a sudden flip the script and go conservative. And I think when you get behind the chains on first down, when you run for one or two yards on second and nine, second and eight, they're just pinning their ears back, and they're coming after you. And for an offensive line that is still meshing, they're still learning to play together, and they're still young, when you got an NFL front seven that is just coming right at you, it's tough. Yeah, they – and, I mean, you you saw – like, that was the thing – I mean, Florida State game especially, and Alabama too, like that – the first possession of the third quarter, uh, I don't know if we blocked anyone, period. Like they just they just started swarming. Now, granted, they, I, you know I was at the guy. It's hard to tell at the game. I don't know what they were doing. Something differently. I mean, obviously they probably were, but we just had no clue. But I think part of it too is they know like well, uh, their only chance to move the ball is is throw it, and and they they, <laughs> good lord, they just unleashed themselves, and it's we there's just no response to it. And like you said, like uh, we still got. In my opinion, still have questions in, on at left tackle and uh, at least one of the guard spots. And, uh, and and those those now, granted, we're not going to play two teams with the caliber of defensive line we just played, uh, but those have to get fixed immediately because uh, if they don't, we're dead. We're just dead. Well, uh, Gray, I'm glad you brought that question up at left tackle because I have an answer. The answer is Greg oh, I, Little. I do too. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I know what the answer um, is. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, subsequently with that, the answer for the guard question is you move Rod Taylor over there. Um, that it game, seems like that would be the move. 
Yeah, um, and, I, and I know Alabama is so good. Um, they really are. Uh, I know people hate to hear that, but, you know, let's let's not bullshit. I mean, they're, they're damn good. Um, Rod Taylor got exposed real bad on Saturday. Um, Tim Williams absolutely destroyed him all day long. Uh, the big pass to Van Jefferson on third and long was called back from a Rod Taylor hold. Um, and it's nothing against Rod. Alabama is just really athletic, and, and, and Rod just couldn't hold his own. He, he doesn't have the length that you need at left tackle. And Hugh Freeze said that before the year. He said, you know, Rod's a, you know, barely 6'3". He's not as long as you want, but he's athletic, and um, he just wasn't athletic enough, and I think that it showed. And then they put Greg Little in there, and he slowed down the pass rush. And I think that Rod is natural on the inside, and I think they need to move him there. And I think that you just need to take your lumps, and you need to play Greg Little because he's the future. Yeah, and he may be, and they may have decided that because, uh, and I can't remember all the fourth quarter possessions, but I know on at least the he one where, where where Kelly got hit, and I think they, well, he, well, it was they ruled. They, I think they changed it today. They, it was called an interception, but they ruled today it was a fumble. But the one with Alabama ran back for a touchdown. Uh, that little was in on most of those fourth quarter possessions that I can remember. And uh, and I think that, I mean, you're basically putting a guy in where every single position you have to score and you're deeming him your best shot at left tackle. So maybe that that could be the sign that he's may be there from now on. Yeah, he was playing uh, the meaningful snaps in the fourth. Um, and I'm not sure. I haven't watched the full game yet. I watched uh, most of the first half uh, today. I, I believe – and because that was Jonathan Allen that made that play, and it was just an All-American NFL play. And I think he came from the inside. So, um, you know, he came over the guard. So, I, Javon Patterson with a mixture of uh, Conyers at center. Um, but that was just a hell of a play. But, yeah, I mean, you got to play Greg Little there. He, he's he's the future. He's athletic enough. He, he has the length that you need because that's the difference. Um, Greg might be beat. He might – you know, be beaten by a step, maybe half a step, but he's so long that he can at least get a punch or a push to get that pass rusher upfield and let Chad step up. But with Rod being barely 6'3", he doesn't have that length, and, and Tim Williams was just getting by him all day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's, they should, with Little, they should take the same approach that they're taking with the secondary. It's like our best guys, they're, they're, they're very inexperienced, but our best guys are young and we're just, we're going to play these young guys and hope that, and, uh, cause they are, they're all very, very talented and then hope that they, uh, progress like we think they should, you know, as the year goes along. And I, I think that, like I said, that should be the Greg Little should be in that same scenario on the offensive side. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, speaking of All-American NFL-type moves, that was a hell of a, uh All-American segue there by you, Gray. Um, no, it was, I wasn't thought, it? <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, the young guys in the secondary, I think they played the tails off. I was really impressed with Jalen Julius. Um, he played extremely well. Um, he, he held his own uh, – he more than held his own against Calvin Ridley – who is one of the better receivers in the SEC, and he really didn't have a great day. Um, for a true freshman to come in and play like that, 
first SEC game against number one Alabama w- was extremely impressive. I mean, uh, he played extremely well. Miles My- Hartsfield is playing lights out. He-, he had some flashes in the Florida State game. Um, and then, you know, we saw some Montreal Custis. Uh, we saw some Jalen Jones. Um, Deontay Anderson was in there. I mean, from what I saw, I mean, you were there. Um, I-, I thought the young guys played well. Yeah, no, I thought so too. I mean, uh, I mean, the ultimate breakdown. What, what did the Ole Miss defense in eventually was giving in, giving up those like huge, couldn't keep hurts in the pocket, and and then just huge runs in general. I thought coverage wise, they, I thought they were the young, they were really, really good. The only, the only play I can remember is you were speaking about uh, Ridley is, and this is just because he's just awesome. They, I, I think it was third quarter, fourth. I can't remember. Anyway, he's he's basically he's pretty much just a go route and he is turned back towards the inside and the ball actually gets thrown to the outside and he's got a step or two. I don't remember who was guarding him, uh, but he's got a step or two on him and I don't even know how he did it. He was at a full sprint looking back to the inside, realized the ball is going to the outside and somehow turns himself, doesn't slow down and catches the ball on the outside. And it was just absolutely incredible on his part, but that's the only play I can remember where they, uh, they just got straight up beat pretty badly but other than that no i i i was really really impressed I, and i i you know even though the old miss team they gave up a, a lot of yards and a lot of points uh well actually they give it that many points all things considered uh they 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 just they play really really hard which uh you know there's there's a lot to be said for that that they never quit which because we have seen uh many an old miss team in in not the not too distant past that quit within about five minutes of anything bad happening. And these guys don't do it. Yeah. Um, and, and when you're talking about that, that one Calvin Ridley play, and there was another one, maybe, maybe one more, maybe two more, uh, where Jalen Hurts had a little 2014 Nick Marshall in him and just kind of heaved it up, uh, and, and you know that's you know that's what you do. You know sometimes when you're a quarterback and you got to make a play, you throw it to your best guy. And you know we saw that last year where Chad would do it with with Laquan. Um, I would venture to say though, if Kenny Webster is is not out for the year, that those jump balls to Calvin Ridley are either knocked down or intercepted. Um, and, and you know those are just some young guys that are going to have to learn. Uh, to turn around and find the football or, um, you know, pass interference or something. Uh, I, I, I remember that play that you're referring to now, and I, I think it might have been A.J. Moore that was with him. But, um, you know, like you said, the defense played hard, and you know what, I, I'll go to bat for them. The defense didn't cost Ole Miss the football game. Um, they, they, we've grown uh, accustomed to this. Uh, under Hugh Freeze with Dave Womack, I mean, he's going to have a bend but don't break defense. That's just what they're going to do. We got, uh, you know, Ole Miss fans were spoiled a little bit with that 2014 defense because they were damn good. And they were very, very stingy against the run. And that was just kind of a bonus. The 425 is really not going to be a lights out, you know, impressive box score type defense. You're going to take chances, you're going to blitz a lot, and you're going to just try to use speed and make plays. And they played well enough to win on Saturday. Um, going back a little bit here, and I know you'll back me up on this, I think 
the game was lost with play calling. Um, I think the stat was Ole Miss ran the ball 17 times on first down. Um, now, if you got a legitimate SEC back, and this is no disrespect to Akeem Judd, he's a fine running back, but Akeem Judd is not all to blame here. That offensive line just could not get any sort of push in the second half against the, the Alabama front seven. And, Gray, we talked about it all day today. You got Chad Kelly, and you got a bevy of four- and five-star receivers. Just throw the football. Just line up. Just just line up four and five wide and just fun and gun. It's what worked all first half in both games against Florida State and Alabama. Just let Chad cook. That's I, I beg of you. Yeah, here's – so I just looked up Judd's. And I'm not saying I, I like Akeem Judd, but he is he is a, an average SEC running back. I mean, he's fine. He's you know I'm glad I'm glad we have him because we didn't we'd be in a lot of trouble. Uh, but here's here's this if you take away his 23 uh, yard touchdown run, which was great by the way. I don't want to take anything. That was an excellent excellent run. Oh yeah, Hit the hole correctly fantastic, made a great cut. Fantastic run. Uh, if you take away that that. Run a 23-yard touchdown run from his from his stats. His final stats would have been 14 carries for 22 yards. And that, uh, I mean, that's basically you're just you're you might as well just call like a quarterback sneak 14 straight times because that's that's you're just getting nothing out of that. And I'm like you, it's and and when you're when when you're up 24-3 and you know you have a defense that is missing. Uh, Fidal Brown, Victor Evans, uh, your best corner is down. Uh, you really have no one that can play uh, the boundary corner that that he can. So you know your defense is they're going they're going to give up points and they're going to give up yards at this point. Like you have to know that. And you, to me, I know we we said it, but to me, it's it's you just you just got to try to keep scoring as much as you possibly can. And and going conservative, that I, I I just the one that really bothered me was the second to last possession. The last possession, whatever. At that point, things had collapsed, and it's like just let's get out of here. But the second to last one, right before halftime, that's the one you had plenty of time. And you didn't have terrible field position. That's the one that's the killer because you went three and out in that, and then the collapse started happening. Yeah, I it just um it kills me uh to go conservative like that because you know the how you win football games you got to score. And for all the people that want to say, well, you know, you run the risk of going three and out and the defense goes like out there, well, you're running the risk of going three and out by running the damn ball into a wall. So, right. It, 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 take your chances with Chad Kelly and Stringfellow and A.J. Brown and Evan Ingram and Quincy and Lodge and Van Jefferson. I mean, damn, I'm just reeling off four- and five-star names. Take your chances with the all-SEC Chad Kelly and all these receivers rather than Akeem Judd, you know, slamming his head up against the wall. And Right, yeah. I mean, last year, you know, the Memphis game was the wake-up call uh, for Hugh Freeze where he just basically was like, well, damn, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to turn everything over to Dan Werner. Um, I hope that this is it because you got to just 
score. Like you said, you got to score points. Ole Miss just needs to get to the point where we're just going to outscore everyone, and we're going to hope our defense can force some turnovers and get some stops. Right, yeah. And, and the way that – I remember, I think um, – I'm pretty sure this is right. I remember Ben Garrett from the Ole Miss Spirit said this, that the way basically Ole Miss's play calling works right now is that Werner, Werner calls the play from up top and Freeze and Luke hear it. And 90% of the time they agree with it and that's what goes in. Um, but I think, like you said earlier, what you saw right before halftime was whatever uh, – you know, I would I would be willing to bet uh, Werner was either told or they overruled him right there that we're – no, no, we're just – we're going to try to get out of here, try to run out of this clock and, and get in with the lead. Or, um, well, I guess they technically got in with the lead at halftime, but uh, they got in with negative 4,000% momentum in that process. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, you know – Slay the beast, beat Alabama, whatever you want to call it. You have got to put your foot on their throat and just end it. And Ole Miss had their chances at the end of the first half to try and score. I mean, you know, let's say Alabama scores and it's 24 to 10. Well, if you just stick to your game plan, stick to your guns, let Chad do his thing and score again and it's 31-10, then you just kind of negate all that momentum they just got. Um, yeah. Instead, run it, punt. Run it, punt. Alabama scores again. You're only up seven. It's a whole new ball game. I, I, I think that hopefully Hugh Freeze saw what we saw and is going to make an executive decision to let Dan Werner take over. And, you know, let's see if we can hang 60 on Georgia. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that is, is the, the the thing that, that just really, really is upsetting. I and mean, the more I think about it, 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 it gets me madder and madder. But like you said, we're up 24 to three. Like that, like when, when Youngblood scored, like you know, the people just lost their minds. Like, you know, it's it losing your mind to the point where like old people are going nuts. Like old people are. It, it, the Ole Miss games, old people <laughs> just scream at people to sit down. That's what they do. Old people are going crazy at this point. And it's old people get lit. Yeah, exactly. The old people are lit. So you can only imagine how the students and other young folk, how lit they are compared to the old people. So everybody everybody's losing their minds. And uh, obviously the, the penalty and the kick out of bounds is a disaster. Alabama scores. Like you said, it's 24 to 10. You're, you have a two-touchdown lead even after that disaster. And you still have a lot of them. Now, granted, they, they, Alabama came back and they answered, but you still have a lot of the momentum, and they just sat on it. And it's just like, why, why, why? What? It's like no one learned anything from the Florida State game. It just that that just it gets me upset. Yeah. Well, hopefully um, they learn their lesson, and you know maybe Hugh Freeze can develop a killer instinct in one week. Uh, I wouldn't count on it, but maybe Chad Kelly will just start calling his own plays. And uh, yeah, yeah, Chad oh, can go yeah, the. I mean, uh, I'm fine like with that. The, like how in like 2003, when uh, when Eli basically like whatever play that Puckless and and company sit in from the si- sent in from the sideline, uh, Eli just changed it, changed it because of whatever he thought would work, 
And we went ten and three that year, so that was pretty fun. Yeah, um, uh, I think it, uh, it might have been you uh, in the Slack group today. We were, uh, as you can imagine, we were uh, we were all talking about the game today. Uh, I, b- b- before we let every, uh, before I let you go, and we uh, conclude the podcast here. I think the uh, the crazy statistic that I think just further proves that we just need to 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 throw the damn ball. We we ain't gonna run the dang ball. We're gonna throw the dang ball. Um, I think the statistic that was pretty crazy was I think at his best, obviously his best, Laquan last year had a 68% catch rate, and I think right now Demoria Stringfellow is at 80, um, yeah. which is just which is just incredible. Um, and, and then Ingram is at like Ingram is in the low 70s, and I think Van Jefferson is right at 70%. Yeah, and uh, for those of you that that don't really know anything about Alabama. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick and Marlon Humphrey, they're going to play on Sunday. And uh, mm. DeMaurier, Stringfellow, and company just made them look like little boys on Saturday. Um, so that's not an uh, easy task. So um, I think the assessment that uh, Gray and I have come to uh, tonight on the uh, podcast is that Ole Miss just needs to throw the dang ball. When you know we will have made the transformation complete when things are, you know, it's, it's a home game, and they're, you know, and it doesn't matter what the game is or how well you're doing. There's always a moment of frustration among the home, you know, among the home crowd, and people start screaming out, you know, what they think the coaches should be doing. And the transformation will be complete if we never hear another old person or anyone really in general scream out, "Run the dang ball!" We just need we need nothing but throw the dang ball. We need the opposite of Georgia fans is what we really need. Yeah, and uh, hopefully um, Georgia fans will be screaming to run the dang ball uh, on Saturday, and the <laughs> Land Sharks will be uh, laying in wait for Nick Chubb and company. Um, should be a fun one. Uh, in my opinion, it's kind of a must-win just for the psyche of the uh, team. Uh, I'm not saying that if they lose, the season's over, but I think that uh, a win here could really boost uh, this team and could really just get things rolling in the right direction because I think that they could be favored in every single game from here on out. No, I agree. I, I mean, if you if you beat Georgia and then whatever, find a way to just do whatever it takes to beat Memphis, I don't really care. Again, the, the goal in the Memphis game is to win by one point. I don't really care anything about that game. Just win by one point, at least one point. And at that point, you hit your bye week, and you're three and two, and you played the toughest teams on your schedule. Uh, I, I got, I would yeah. feel pretty good about the rest of the season. Yeah, I think uh, you might be a dog at A and M, and probably maybe, yeah. maybe at Arkansas. I really don't think there'll be a dog at LSU. Uh, I was saying it all in the off season, uh, and I think everyone can see that LSU is still absolute trash. Um, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the oh oh. So they're not trash now that a Purdue guy's their quarterback. Oh, excuse me. Um, yeah. So I, Ole Miss could very well be favored, or it just could be a pick 'em. Um, but yeah, uh, you beat Georgia, um, which is very possible. I think it's going to happen. Georgia is uncharacteristically very bad in the trenches, which is which is extremely odd to see. Uh, Georgia is always very physical. Uh, on both sides of the line. Um, they got a freshman quarterback. Ole Miss hasn't fared well against two freshmen. Um, we'll see if they can uh, 
change things on Saturday. It's going to be an early one. It's going to be at 11. Um, you, so, would think, uh, though, you would think out of the, the, the odds just of playing, like, three freshman quarterback, like, one of them. I mean, Hurts I mean, missed some throws on Saturday, but, you know, I mean, he still played pretty well. Uh, but you would think yeah. out of these three freshman quarterbacks that we play, like, one of them is just going to stink. Like, that would just be the odds. Like, like at <laughs> least one. To. Like, surely yeah. that will finally go our way. That whoever it is, like, I mean, that's going to be Eason, but surely he needs to stink just for the law of averages. Hey, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, technical difficulty, uh, like we said, not in the uh, Borky Studios. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I lost you there when we were talking about, yeah, it's basically third time's the charm that uh, Ole Miss won't lose to a freshman uh, with Jacob Eason on Saturday at 11 a.m. on the SEC Network. Uh, I do not know. I think, I think it, it is. Um, I shouldn't. I should be able to hold it. It's, I, it doesn't seem like an SEC network again. No, it's on ESPN. Oh, okay. So we haven't been relegated to the equivalent right. of the Jefferson Pilot 1105. Right, game. right. Yeah. That'll be that'll be for when we play Vanderbilt. That, that's an SEC <laughs> network. Game. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, sorry for the uh, difficulties. You can blame Borky in the comments. Um, but uh, for Gray, uh, I and get, and get and get in his mentions too. The he'll appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can add him all you want. You can even slide in those DMs <laughs> and uh, get personal with it. But um, uh, Gray, appreciate you hopping on and joining us here, uh, rehashing the pain and agony. Um, oh, yeah, as always, it's a pleasure. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think some things are going to turn around this Saturday. Um, I think this young team, uh, bold prediction, I think they're going to bounce back and and, and try to make a statement. Uh, I, I think uh, some senior leadership with Ingram and, and and Kelly, I think they're going to they're going to get some people's attention, and and they're tired of losing. Yeah, I I feel good about the rest of the year. I I I, I mean, like you said, like they they really need to win on Saturday, only get a total loss. But if they win on Saturday, I feel I would feel really good about the rest of the year. Yeah, the uh, like you said, the good news is you do not have to play anyone that is as good as Alabama or Florida State. So, good news. Yeah, fine, finally, finally. But uh, anyway, but for for Gray, I am Zach. Uh, we will be back with another episode this week. We have a uh, really, really, really impressive guest with us from Dog Sports. We will be uh, releasing that episode later this week with a full preview for Georgia. Uh, but for Gray, I'm Zach. And we will talk to you later. We out.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.